Chapter Seven of Cycling in the Alps by C. L. Freeston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Maloya. Every yard of the Maloya Pass is beautiful, and to ride from the last point of the Upper Engadine to the Lecco end of the Lake of Como is one long dream of unalloyed delight. No other Alpine Pass is so wonderfully verdure-clad no other presents so continuous a sequence of valley after valley each closing in the view and seeming to be the last but leading into another still more opulently fertile of the longer passes it represents the acme of comprehensive beauty not associated with snow-capped peaks for the summit is only five thousand nine hundred and sixty feet high and is well within the zone of trees the pass is startlingly effective even before one begins to ride at all from a projecting rock at the summit one gazes down into the yawning abyss over eight hundred feet in depth along which the road is cut in twelve appalling curves more nearly than any other perhaps this precipitous fall of the road resembles the stelvio on the italian side but is much less steep and much less protracted while being three thousand feet lower, it is verdure-clad instead of a wilderness of sheeted snow. No visitor to the Engadine should fail to descend the Maloya. It is impossible, of course, to make the acquaintance of all the passes which adjoin the Engadine on a single tour, because there are three separate ways of entering, and the ideal tour, which I would venture to recommend, would be to train to Thusis, ascend the Shin and Julier passes successively, ride from Silverplana to Martinsbruck, cross over to Naudas, and take the Stelvio and Benina routes which I have already described, and then from Pontresina proceed to the Maloya and descend to the Italian lakes. The return journey could be made to include the Furka and the Grimsel, though it would be less easy to bring in the splendid ride along the Vorderrhine valley and over the Oberalp to Andermatt, which I have yet to describe. Considerable scheming is required to make one's itinerary as comprehensive as possible, and not in one journey, nor even in two, can one do everything that is desirable. When the choice has to be made, however, I think the route I have laid down will be found in many ways the most advantageous to the man who has not previously been over any portion of the ground. To the rider already familiar with the ineffable beauties of the Italian lakes, of course, a different plan would need to be devised but I should be sorry for the cyclist whose previous knowledge of the north of Italy destroyed the inducement to journey thither by way of the Maloya. To descend those twelve zigzags through the clustering pines is itself an experience not to be forgotten. With a rim-brake it is quite feasible, but I should hesitate to place myself at the mercy of an ordinary tyre-brake on this or any other alpine pass. It is pitiful to watch the German or Swiss cyclist unacquainted as yet with the power of the rim-brake descending this or that ribbon road with plunger-brake jammed hard on and back-pedalling with the whole force of his muscular system while the english wheelman can ride calmly down and even coast where the other is in supreme distress some most elaborate arguments have been raised from time to time as to the virtues of the tyre-brake and the vices of the other type it is all very pretty to read but with the deepest respect to the non-touring manufacturer, I, for one, can only say, My good sir, my life is insured, it is true, but my family are in no hurry to realise on my death. 
and so long as I tore abroad, I much prefer to use a brake that is a brake and not a toy. A dominant feature of the upper portion of the Maloya Pass is the Orlenya River, which rushes down with a torrential force, the intensity of which I have never seen equalled. At times it runs side by side with the road, and its roar is deafening, while with the environment of lofty mountains, much nearer than is usual, completing a picture of the most awe-inspiring type, one feels for the moment to have abandoned oneself to the forces of nature. A fine waterfall may be viewed if the rider has patience enough to arrest his machine when halfway down the zigzags, and follow a path to the left for a couple of minutes. The zigzags are about two miles in length, after which the road runs straight along to Casaccia, 4,790 feet, the highest village of the Val Bregalia, the name by which the greater part of the Maloya Pass route is known. On the right are past the ruins of a church, said to have been built as far back as the 4th century. Three quarters of a mile below the village, the road crosses a bridge over the Olenya, which is merged immediately into the Myra River, the latter follows the road thenceforward all down the valley. Beyond the hamlet of Lobia, half a mile lower, several waterfalls are passed to the left, including the Albinia Cascade, which is said to be one of the finest in the Alps. The road begins to wind again through forest scenery, past Asarina, 4,435 feet, and the mouth of the Albinia Valley, until Vicosoprana, 3,565 feet, the capital of the Val Bregalia, and seven and a half miles from Maloya, is reached. From here the road passes through a waste of curious rocks, the residuum of a mighty flood in 1870, and then follow the villages of Borgo Nuovo, 3,470 feet, and Stampa, where walnut trees and chestnuts, familiar harbingers of an Italian vale, begin to displace the groves of pines. Just short of Promontonio, 2,685 feet, 11 miles from the summit, the road is tunnelled through a rocky promontory which stretches right across the valley. The scenery has now become luxuriantly Italian, with a remarkably quick transition, and the surroundings are as picturesque as they are verdant. A ruined castle and a handsome church are commanding objects above the village, while in the romantic valley of Bondasca to the left, lies the large village of Bondo, which for three months of the year never sees the sun. The Bondasca River flows into the Myra, which now becomes a swollen torrent. The road crosses it here, and then leads in two and a half miles to Castasegna, 2,235 feet. This is the last Swiss village, but the scenery and vegetation, of course, are fully Italian, and vines, mulberries and figs abound. A mile and a half farther is Villa di Chiavenna, where the Italian custom house is situated. The present-day member will pass, easily, by the agency of his special club ticket, but I have a lively recollection of putting down 84 lire on two machines at this, the first Italian dogana I had ever met. What a world of trouble the present privileges would have saved, for the Italian Lake District was then the worst of all for the cyclist to find himself in, where customs were concerned, owing to the curious territorial delimitations. After leaving the Dogana and the picturesquely placed village, the road passes San Croce and San Abondio, 
where there is a fine double waterfall descending from a mountain lake and then through campedello to piuro now a suburb of chiavenna but near the scene of a bygone tragedy sixty feet deep beneath a grove of chestnuts lies a whole town which with nearly three thousand inhabitants was buried by the fall of monte conto in sixteen eighteen so complete was the disaster that nothing was rescued either alive or dead even after long continued labour for ten years it is said large crevices had existed on the mountain and heavy rains immediately preceded the catastrophe not far beyond this ill-fated spot chiavenna the key of italy a most interesting old town about which the late john addington simons had much that was appreciative to say is entered from the maloya summit to this point is a descent of four thousand eight hundred and seventy feet in nineteen and a half miles or an average of about two hundred and fifty feet per mile the ride from chiavenna to colico and all down the east side of lake como is one on which i might descant con amore but we must hark back to higher ground end of chapter seven